Dear Lord, we gather together today to praise you with our love and adoration for the wonderful Father that you are. We ask your forgiveness for the sins we have committed, not only in our actions but in the way we think and the hurtful words we have spoken. We confess the weaknesses and fears we experience when troubles come in waves. We thank you that even when the storms do come, nothing can destroy us because you are in us and with us. Help us to be even more dependent on you. There have been many difficult difficulties throughout the world in this last year and you well know all that we have been through here in our own country. We particularly remember the people who are still dealing with the floods and the damage they have caused. Please be with them to sustain, comfort and provide for their needs during this time of loss. Father, we thank you that as we move into this new year, you will be with us no matter what it brings. We thank you that as you have been in the past, so you will be in the future constantly working out your purposes for the world and people you created and love. We thank you that as it says in Psalm 65:11, you crown the year with your goodness. We know and believe that you are still the God who parted the Red Sea. You always make a way for us to go forward with you. You are still the God who brought down the walls of Jericho. We remember that you are the God who brought down the Berlin Wall. Bring down the walls we have built for ourselves. You are still the God who brought the water out of the rock and you can bring streams of living water out of the hardest heart when it is surrendered to you. Let your living water flow through us, we pray. We thank you that as we have sung this morning, when we see a mountain, you see a mountain moved. When we see a cross, you see the empty tomb. You see victory for us. Jesus, you are our God who died for us and rose again. Nothing is impossible for you. Probably the hardest thing for you to do is to change us, Lord, to soften our hearts, open our minds, increase our faith and trust we are so grateful, Lord, that we don't have to do that on our own because we could never achieve it. Thank you that it is your pleasure and delight to meet us where we are and as we are and to help us to move forward with you. And so we pray together now. O oh Lord, enlighten whatever is dark in me. Strengthen whatever is weak in me. Mend whatever is broken and heal whatever is sick in me. Straighten whatever is twisted. Revive whatever joy and peace and life have died in me. Come, Lord Jesus, be the companion of my life and partner for all eternity. Amen. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, Carol. Uh, good morning, everyone. Nice to see you all today. And uh, especially good morning. I don't know if Joe and Sam 
have got uh, connection yet in their house because they just moved on the 13th, so a couple of days ago in that heat, moving house. I don't envy that uh, process. Ali and I have been through it about 14 times since we got married. And one time she was pregnant, moving house, like Joe is now. And I think that was the most exhausted I've ever been. And I have ridden a bike 265Ks once, and I was more exhausted moving house with a pregnant wife. So well done, Sam, if you're watching. I'm sure you're doing well. (laughs) All right, well, it is a privilege this morning to share with you. And this morning I want to talk to you about a topic that's been on my heart recently, which isn't an easy topic to talk about, and that is healing, physical, miraculous healing from God. And more than that, this morning, I want to pray with you if you have any needs for physical healing. Now, I know at this point I've already triggered a variety of reactions inside people's minds. Some people might think, oh, here we go. That's all well and good. Yes, Jesus healed people. But don't ask me to come up the front. I've tried that for years with no results. Others might be thinking, I've been prayed for by so many people, some more experienced and spiritual than him, so I doubt anything would happen. Or perhaps others might be thinking, looks like someone's had some time to read some books in the holidays and it's getting all inspired. <laughs> or perhaps none of these. Perhaps you're in a totally different wavelength. But it is a topic which evokes an emotional reaction. I've held some deep convictions for years concerning healing, but rarely had the courage to really stand up for what I believe is true. Until recently when I felt challenged by God, even disciplined, to grow up a bit and take a stand for his truth as revealed in the Bible. And that truth is that miraculous physical healing from God is still available today to anyone by simply believing. But believe what, you may say. And that, I believe, is the most important question. What are we believing when we come to God for healing? Many of us in this room have been Christians for a long time. We've read the Bible, and we know that Jesus healed people. We also know Jesus' healing ministry was continued through his disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit, as recorded in the book of Acts. First of all, let me establish that Jesus healed everyone who came to him, and that he expected his followers to heal the sick. After reading the Gospels, you'd all be aware that Jesus was very busy healing sick people during his lifetime. And you're probably also aware that there is not one recorded instance of Jesus turning someone away or failing to heal someone who he was ministering to. One verse from Matthew twelve seventeen says, But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him. And he healed them all. And here are many other verses that say that Jesus healed all. Every single person who needed healing and came to him. So there's Matthew 8, 16, 14, 14, 19, 2, 21, 14. The list goes on. 
But now, here are the verses where Jesus did not heal someone who came to him, or when he left them sick to teach them a lesson. Zero. There are no verses like that. Now, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, according to Hebrews 13.8. So it's safe to assume that if Jesus were here today, walking around Belair, that if anyone came to him for healing, that he would definitely heal them. Now, at one point, he sent out his disciples and told them, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And they did heal the sick. And then speaking of anyone who believes in him, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Always a challenging verse when you see yourself as one of the whoever believes in me people, and you ask yourself, How am I doing anything greater than what Jesus did? And let me give you two more verses that establish that Jesus expected his followers to heal the sick. From Mark 16, we read, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. And then also in James, when speaking to his brothers and sisters in Christ, he says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. So it's clear that Jesus expected his followers to, among other things, heal the sick. And James even gives some directions about anointing with oil in the name of the Lord and offering prayer in faith. Which moves me on to a vital point regarding healing, faith. There is a strong connection in Scripture between faith or believing and healing that we see in many passages. On a few occasions, Jesus told people that their faith had made them well. Think of the woman who touched his robe in Matthew 9.22. Jesus said, your faith has healed you. And a few sentences later in verse 29, Jesus heals the blind men and says to them, according to your faith, let it be done to you. The Amplified Version brings this out by saying, do you believe with a deep abiding trust that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, your trust and confidence in my power and my ability to heal, it will be done to you. And their eyes were opened. And other verses also talk about the need to believe to receive. Consider Matthew 21, verse 22. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, if you have faith and do not doubt... Not only will you do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. 
If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And we read it in Mark eleven twenty four as well. Jesus said, Truly I tell you that if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and has no doubt in his heart, but believes that it will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So Jesus said, have faith and do not doubt. Believe and whatever, whatever you ask for in prayer, including healing, will be yours. Easy, right? I think that more often than not, when people pray to God for healing, they are hoping that he will respond favorably, not believing that he will. And that's a big difference. That's a crucial difference. Just hoping has doubt built into it. And I'm not talking about our hope of eternal life, which we read about in the Bible. That hope is what we're looking forward to, what motivates us through hard times to press on. We have hope of better times in the future. We're not hopeless and depressed. I'm talking about the common usage of the word, like how we hope that we'll get a new job after an interview. When we hope for something, we don't really know for sure. We can even fool ourselves into thinking that we're believing by using the right words. For example, Lord, we come to you in faith, believing that you have the power to heal. We ask that you'd stretch out your hand to heal in Jesus' name. Amen. And then we check. Did it work? I hope God heals you, but I guess it's up to him. We asked, didn't happen. I guess it wasn't his will. And so we become discouraged and deep down sceptical that healing works today. Sure, we believe the Bible stories of Jesus and the apostles healing the sick. We might even believe that some amazing people Maybe some with a gift of healing can bring about healing. But I guess us common folk just have to resign ourselves to the fact that healing doesn't really seem to happen. Every now and then, when we have an encouraging time in the Lord, maybe we've been to a conference, we've spent more time with God, or we've read some good books, we might feel emboldened enough to pray for healing for others or ourselves. But when we don't see the results we hoped for, what then? Do we resign ourselves to the idea that God didn't want to heal? That God has allowed this sickness or disease to teach us something? Or maybe that God wants that person in heaven now rather than on earth? These, are, these thoughts are some common ways to try and make sense of the disconnect between what we read in the Bible and what we experience in the here and now. And I've entertained many of them when healing prayer didn't produce the hoped-for results. But over the last decade or so, as I've read the Bible and heard stories and testimonies of people who actually see healings take place, I can see that these ideas concerning healing don't match up with the Bible. Back in 2012, 
I prayed for my mum who was dying of pancreatic cancer. I really wanted God to heal her. She was 64. I hoped that he would. So I prayed with her, asking God to heal. Hoping that God would. Knowing he could. But did I believe that he would? Well, if I'm honest, I really hoped he would. I really, really, really hoped he would. But I wasn't sure it would happen. And there have been other people in our lives who have died, despite the desperate prayers of many. Many people who desperately wanted God to heal, who knew that God had the power to heal, who asked with all of their heart, really, really, really hoping that God would heal. But they passed away too. Now, I know that everyone has to die eventually. So there is some wisdom concerning when a person has reached an old age and is ready to leave this earth. But when sickness and disease take people out in young or middle age, this is a different case. We never see Jesus not healing sickness and disease in the Bible. So how do we cope with this? Do we just put it to the side and forget about healing? Put it in the too hard basket? Do we try and shut off our past experiences and just try to believe what Jesus has said? Just shut off our memory and try, try, try to believe. Come against those unbelief thoughts with scriptures and battle the devil's condemnation and questions. But even then, we sometimes aren't being honest with ourselves. What do we really think is going to happen? And so we come to see that hoping for healing doesn't produce the results we want. But how to believe? Or more, more importantly, what should we believe? Let's explore the nature of belief and doubt with a few scriptures. Jesus had a 100% success rate in healing people. But there was one place where less people received healing from him than other places. And that was his hometown. Matthew 13:58 tells us that he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. The people didn't believe that he was anyone special, and so they didn't believe that he could heal them. Jesus said in Mark 11:22, "Have faith in God." Jesus answered, "Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. And in James 1 verse 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. And so we read that a person must believe and not doubt in order to receive from the Lord. As the saying goes, believe and receive, doubt and go without. But Andrew, how do we have faith and not doubt? 
You've explained our predicament, but what now? It's so much easier said than done. Do we just leave it in God's hands? If he wants to heal someone, he will. If you're familiar with the Gospels and the book of Acts, you'd know that that is not how we see Jesus or his followers healing the sick. And we also know that that resigned mindset doesn't result in seeing miraculous healing. No. I believe we need to base our belief upon something more solid and concrete, something more reliable than trying to believe that something will happen, something more convincing than our past failures, something more certain than our uncertainty about the mysterious will of God. And that rock, that 100% reliable fact, is the finished work of Christ. And more specifically than that, that by his stripes we were healed. Healing has been provided for, just like forgiveness of sins has been provided for, for all people. Do all get saved? No. Do all receive healing? No. But forgiveness and healing is available for all. We're going to turn to Isaiah 53 and read about what Christ did for us. You know, the early believers made sense of who Jesus was and his work by reading about him in the Bible, that is, the Old Testament. It gave them insight into who this Messiah was and what he had done. So from Isaiah 53 we read, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. This classic verse shows us how Jesus, the suffering servant, endured the torment of his beating and dying on the cross, not for his own sins, but for ours. It also mentions that by his wounds we are healed. Some people have suggested that this doesn't refer to physical healing because the overall context of the passage is about sin and his taking it or bearing it for us. But if we just read it as it is, it says that by his wounds we are healed. So is this about physical healing or salvation from sin only? Well, Jesus referred to this verse about himself in the context of his physical healing ministry. In Matthew 8.16, we read, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to Jesus, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took on our infirmities and carried our diseases. The first thing to note is that Matthew recognised that the Isaiah verse was to do with physical healing, not just forgiveness of sins. He cast out demons and healed the sick, and in this way was taking our infirmities and carrying our diseases. 
Was this fulfilled as in completed? This prophecy about Jesus at that time? Just at that time? Well, no, it was fulfilled in the sense that Jesus, the suffering servant, was fulfilling the prediction in Isaiah concerning his healing ministry, but that healing ministry continued after this occasion. He healed lots more people by the Spirit of God after this event. And then his healing ministry continued with his disciples into the church age. Jesus could forgive people before he was crucified, and he healed many people before he was tortured. So on what basis did Christ offer this forgiveness? On the basis that his atoning death would win forgiveness for everyone in the future. And on what basis could Christ take on our sicknesses and diseases which entered the world through sin and were the oppression of the devil as described in Acts 10.38? Because he knew that he would take on our infirmities and carry our diseases by his stripes. One Peter two twenty four reads, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Something else to note, the word for healed here is the Greek iome, a verb that always speaks of physical healing in the New Testament. It's used 28 times in the New Testament and always in connection with physical healing. So healing, physical healing, was a part of Christ's substitutionary work. Or another way of putting this is that healing was included in the atonement. Now for years I felt that this doctrine was tenuous at best. It just didn't seem to match my experience. Or perhaps I felt that if it was true, why wasn't it more clearly spelt out in the Bible? But after years of reading about it, wrestling with it, and noticing that nearly every inspirational Christian that I've read or heard about in the area of healing believes in this doctrine, I've come to accept and believe that by his stripes you are healed. So in the same way that forgiveness has already been achieved for all people through what Christ has done, physical healing has also been provided through the wounds or stripes of Jesus. He's paid the price for it all, forgiveness of sins and also healing for your body. Okay, so that's all good, but I'm still sick. But now I can lay my hands on you and believe that Christ has already provided healing for you based on his suffering. There is no doubt on God's willingness because he's already done it. Now we don't need to doubt God's willingness to heal you physically. We only need to believe that he's already provided it. And like the woman with an issue of blood, reach out and touch the hem of his garment. In other words, steadfastly believing without wavering that healing is yours and wait patiently for the manifestation into your physical body. Jesus said, if you believe and don't doubt, you'll receive. Don't waver in your faith, like James said. You see, faith is the easy bit. You only need a mustard seed size of faith. Just looking at it and saying, yep, I believe it. 
However, unbelief, doubting, that is where the real battle lies. As the man said in Mark 9.24, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus then healed that man's son. And think of Peter who got out of the boat and walked on water, believing Jesus' word of come. As soon as he started to doubt what he was doing, Jesus grabbed hold of him and rescued him and said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? So I believe we need to stand firm in the truth of God's word. Healing has already been provided for you through Christ's suffering. By his stripes you were healed. We're not asking God for something. We're receiving what he has already sent. But you might ask, what about death? We all die one day. We can't just keep on being healed forever. True. We do die one day. But Jesus never left a person to die of disease. He healed all who came to him. When a person wants to leave this earth and is ready to go, then that's the way to go. We want to be like Moses, who, when he was 120 years old, when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Now, I know that this brings up lots of questions, and I don't have all the answers. But to conclude, we can come to God confidently in faith if we believe that Christ has provided healing already through his suffering. We won't be simply hoping that God heals us in response to our asking. We are believing and receiving by his spirit into ours the healing that has been provided. We are standing in the truth and letting God shape reality to manifest healing in the physical. If we want to have faith and not doubt, it has to be in something solid, something unchangeable not merely a wish that God would help us out. In the same way, we receive the forgiveness of our sins by simply believing that he's already achieved our forgiveness through his death on the cross. We too can receive healing by believing that he has provided healing for us by his suffering on the cross, before the cross as well. Healing is flowing from heaven towards us. Just accept and receive it. Thank him for taking your sickness and diseases in himself. For promising to always be with us and for showing us how the early church healed their sick through faith. As we come to a time of communion, let's consider the Apostle Paul's instructions from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul wrote, So then, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. The Corinthians were treating the Lord's Supper like an all-you-can-eat buffet and pushing people out of the way to eat. They would sit with their friends only, some getting drunk and others missing out on food altogether. 
these people weren't getting healed of their diseases and some even died. Because they weren't focused on the finished work of Christ as they ate and drank. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Communion is a time when we can receive from the Lord both forgiveness and healing as we're simply recognizing and receiving everything that God has accomplished in Christ for ourselves. Paul says that we should examine ourselves before we take communion. In what manner are we treating the broken body and blood of Christ? Are we treating it as of no consequence and having a feast like the Corinthians? Well, with our tiny amounts of crackers and juice, probably not a feast, but... um, Or are we recognising the spiritual power and grace that flows to us from God through the crucified Christ? So this morning, we're going to come and take communion in a minute. And as you're doing it, examine yourself. What is this little cracker and this juice representing? We know it's, it's reminding us of what Jesus has done. We know that he did it for the forgiveness of our sins. And his body was broken. The Bible tells us that by his wounds or by his stripes you've been healed. So if you need healing in your body today, as you eat and drink, receive what Christ has done for you and thank him for it. And wait patiently, be steadfast in that faith. Don't move from that position. If there's something that you're waiting for healing, don't... Don't move, don't stand away from that place of believing and accepting what he's already done for you. So that's it for me this morning. And I would be really happy if anyone would like to pray with me. If you have any physical needs of healing this morning, I'll be here happy to pray with you. The prayer room will also be open if you'd like some other people to pray with you. So thank you for listening. And look, I just pray it's a real blessing to you this morning. There certainly have been some scriptures in there that are challenging, but Jesus is very clear, and it's how we make sense of what he's saying, I think, is what's important. So I'm going to invite the music team to come up this morning and, first of all, um, take their communion. And after they've done that, we'll be playing a song here, and perhaps this side of the room can come up first and Take the cracker and the juice and you can take it back to your seat and just have a moment between you and God and you can just eat and drink when you're ready to do that. And maybe once this side's finished, then this side of the room can come and do the same thing. All right, thanks.
worship you. Thank you, Lord. You're a promise keeper. Thank you for all the promises in the Bible. Yeah. And time and time again, how you bring us through and you give us strength to overcome, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we can, by your grace, we are healed. Thank you, Lord, for all that your promises are and all that you do with us, Lord Jesus. Thanks, Nadine. Great closing prayer. I was thinking of those words as well. Um, Fantastic. Trust um, you've really uh, heard from the Lord this morning. Andrew, thanks for sharing with us this morning out of a place of conviction as well. Um, Great challenge. I'm sure there's a part two to this for for us um, as we just um, work through what we've been taught and how we actually experience that in our lives. So um, just want to reinforce, Andrew's going to be available up here at the front afterwards if anyone wants to uh, pray through anything with him. He's available. The prayer room's open as well. So yeah, if you want to just uh, sit or stand with someone and, and have them pray with you, just encourage you to do so. Yeah, and just yeah, my, my prayers for, for each of us as we go on through this week that we actually know God as a way maker, as a miracle worker. Um, yeah, he keeps his promises and he's a light in the darkness. So that's my prayer for all of us. Uh, hope you have a great week uh, with the Lord. Uh, look forward to seeing you all again uh, next week in this place at the same time. Thanks.